0: Listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, March the 30th, in the year of our Lord 2020. And we're taking a look at readings for this coming Sunday. And it's really a kind of a doublet Sunday. It's referred to as Palm Sunday, where you would think you would be talking about Jesus coming into Jerusalem with the people. Alleluias and giving palm trees, but it isn't. It's also Sunday of the Passion. So the gospel reading is the crucifixion of Jesus from Matthew 26. Since many churches or pastors over the internet will be talking about that this next week, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, leading to Easter. We're going to be taking a look at instead at the epistle reading. So, the text is Philippians chapter two, five to 11. But before we start that, we wanna talk a little bit about the town of Philippi at the time of Paul. It was really a great commercial region for the Romans. In fact, they called it the Ignatian Way, which was the main road from Rome to Asia. It ran through Philippi. It was a Roman colony, and this may explain why throughout the entire book of Philippians, Paul never quotes the Old Testament because this is primarily to Gentiles. The text is beginning with chapter 2, verse 5, but we want to take a look instead at why verse 5 begins to talk about Jesus the way it does. Philippians 1 to 4 gives us an encouragement and an introduction to 5 to 11. Verse 1. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, then verse 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full of, in accord and of one mind. So what Paul is talking about is that the Christian congregation should emulate the love of Christ of being in one mind. Verses 3 and 4 get more specific. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Now, I I think that's a very important point that Paul is making here to count others as more significant. The uh, King James says, let each esteem others better than themselves, or the New American Standard, regard one another as more important than himself. Now, That's the introduction to chapter 2, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, what does that mean, to have the mind of Christ? You are not God. You are not divine. Therefore, we need to take a look at what the word mind really is referring to. When you look at the original Greek, it's a word that really is talking about to have the right understanding that Christ also had. In fact, the New American Standard is very good. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So on this Palm Sunday, or Sunday of the Passion, what kind of attitude did Jesus have? Well, look at verse 6. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. What does that mean? because it doesn't appear that Jesus looked like God, but it says in the form of God. In other words, that word refers to how someone looks at a person and how they are struck by the vision of a person. But that vision just doesn't mean external appearance. It's kinda, how does this person act in life? Well, Jesus acted in the form of God. For example, he stilled a storm. He healed people who were blind, deaf, lame, and mute. He raised dead people into the resurrection, Lazarus as an example. That's what is meant that he really, when people got to know him, appeared to be God. Remember, after the stilling of the storm, the disciples commented, this indeed must be God. But he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, the King James, I like its version, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That's a really good translation, because he is God. He wasn't robbing from God something. There were people in those days And we've even got them today in some false religions that say they are the true son of God. And they try to prove it by doing miracles, which of course could happen because the devil allows even miracles. What did he do? Verse 7 and 8. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Now, there we have the word form again, by taking the form of a servant. And guess what? It's the same word as used that he was in the form of God. So he made himself of no reputation. What does that mean? He emptied himself. And the term empty means he set aside his divine prerogatives. Uh, Just by lifting his finger, he could have destroyed those who were trying to kill him, to put him to death. But he did not. He emptied himself. When he came into Jerusalem, if that's what you're looking at on Palm Sunday himself, he didn't come in glowing brightly as he did on the Mount of Transfiguration, but he came as a regular human being riding on a donkey. In fact, that reminds us of David who came into Jerusalem. When you come into a town in those days on a horse, that means you're a warrior. But when you come in on a donkey, that means that you are a man of peace. And he was indeed a servant, took upon himself that form. By the way, in the Greek, the word for servant can also be translated as slave. He came in the likeness of men. So here in Philippians 2, verse 7, we return to the incarnation where Jesus became in the likeness of a human being. And that's very important to remember because the collect of that day which means that little prayer that we do in the liturgy, it goes this way. You almighty and everlasting God, you sent your son, our savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon himself our flesh and to suffer death upon the cross. This is so important to remember. Jesus had to become a human being, because only a human being can die for another human being. And being God, he was enabled to die for every human being. The prayer goes on, mercifully grant that we may follow the example of his great humility and patience. Well, what is that talking about? Uh, verse 8 continues Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on a cross. Now, this is really important to understand because. You don't usually find the word humbled connected to oneself. I cannot humble myself. A lot of times I am humbled by maybe something that has happened to me. You make a mistake. You go through a phase of humiliation. But Jesus humbled himself. How? he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And of course, that's also for the Sunday of the Passion, where Jesus died on the cross for our sins. So being humbled, he became obedient. And that word obedient is the word in the Greek that it means both being obedient to the will of God and giving ear to what God has to say. So when we're in divine worship, we are obedient to the word of God as we sing praises to him, confess our sins, speak the creeds, listen attentively to a sermon, and receive the benefits of our for our children of baptism and for new Christians, as well as the Lord's Supper. That's how we emulate Jesus, by listening to God and obeying his word as best we can through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, What result has that led to? Verse 9. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. We talk a lot about the distinctions of Jesus Christ. We talk about he was divine. He was human. We talk about his office, prophet, priest, and king. But there is a number of other distinctions, including this one. We talk about his humiliation and his exaltation. I I learned that very well when I was in youth confirmation at my home congregation, and the pastor drew a staircase on the board. Now, staircase meant he drew steps coming down, and then he drew steps going up. And he explained to us that the steps going down, they signified how Jesus humbled himself. It began with conceived by the holy spirit born of the virgin mary he suffered under pontius pilate he died upon the cross and was buried and those were each of the steps on that stepcase going down referring to his humiliation all of that was doing something That God did not need to do. Yes, God died. Then his exaltation. Now, when we read the Creed and hear descended into hell, that sounds like that's a step going down. But it is not, because the descent into hell isn't referring to the hell he experienced on the cross my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But instead is referring to the hell that's found in First Peter, where after having risen from the dead, he descended into hell where the spirits of unbelievers from the flood were there and he proclaimed victory over sin death and the devil. So that descent into hell is really part of his exaltation, his again going up. The term exaltation means to be raised to supreme majesty, to be extolled most highly, and it's very important. At times, we are exalted also. How are we exalted? You were born a sinner. You did not have God's desires in you, but through baptism as an infant, you were brought to faith in Jesus Christ, and the more that you heard about him from your parents and the church, the more your comfort was increased, because God gives comfort in every bad situation. So this is what we refer to as his humiliation, where he humbled himself. Now, that humbling included where he was humiliated by others. People made fun of him. They told at the cross, if you're the son of God, well, come down from the cross. But Jesus did not do those things, because had he, he would have not paid for your sins, and therefore you would have been humbled eternally in hell. But Jesus did pay the price for your sins. Therefore, God highly exalts him, which, as we said, he is raised to supreme majesty. And particularly at his ascension, he is at the right hand of God, which means more than a location. It means also that he is God's right hand as God himself. So what does that mean? verse 10, Philippians 2, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Now, when I first read that, I got the impression that, does that mean that every individual, every human being is a Christian if they're bowing? Well, it's no doubt used to refer to worshipers, that word, to bow down. And it means to bow down to the knee. But it also means to recognize that Jesus is indeed God. And that recognition already has taken place by the devil. The devil already recognizes Jesus as God. Remember the spirits would refer to him as the coming Messiah and Jesus told him to keep quiet because he didn't want those spirits to be telling him that you are God And therefore the people would think that the spirits are believers. Well, they were believers in the sense that Jesus was God, but they were not believers in the sense that they worshiped him. So you could bend the knee in the sense that you recognize, okay, he's God. And every unbeliever in hell will know that that's what's referred to of things in heaven in things in earth and things under the earth which means the dead and many of them are in what's referred to as Shool or also hell referring to the descent of jesus into hell The the last verse of the epistle, therefore, for Palm Sunday or the Sunday of the Passion is Philippians 2.11. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, there again we have the problem. It sounds like if every tongue is going to be confessing, doesn't the word confess mean that you are a believer? Well, when you look at the word confess, which in the Greek is ex om o elio it means not just to trust in him, but to profess that he is God. Therefore, you agree. That's what that word confess can mean. Now, it is used in circumstances of worship, where it can be translated to celebrate or to give praise. But it also means to acknowledge openly and to profess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that word Lord, curious, is often used by Jesus himself to refer that he is Lord. So even when an unbeliever professes and acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, guess what? That's to the glory of God the Father. And the word glory there, doxa, where we get the word doxology, which means praising or acknowledging that God the Father is also divine and supreme over all. In fact, isn't that the way the Bible begins? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Second verse, and God the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. Third verse of the Bible, and God said, let there be light. And we know that's referring to Jesus Christ, because if you go back to John chapter one, you find out that that is Jesus, the Christ, who created all things, and in the beginning was God, and nothing was created except by him, through him. It doesn't mean that the Father and the Holy Spirit did not cooperate, but that Jesus is given credit. And verse 14 of John 1, and he became flesh, which returns us to the very reason for the Sunday of the Passion, to remind us that Jesus, indeed, is our God and Lord. So, on the next Law and Gospel, we'll be taking a look. There's two hymns. 442 all glory lord and honor that's for palm sunday but the sunday of the passion hymn is 438 a lamb goes uncomplaining forth and that's what i tom baker and mark smith will be talking about God bless. Law and
1: Gospel each weekday morning at nine thirty on KFUO. For a tax deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll free 1 877 267 1962.